Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for being such a wonderful shepherd. We want to thank you for what you've done for us to come and bring us in, lost sheep, to give us a shepherd who loves us, who prays for us, who intercedes on our behalf, who is our perfection, who protects us and watches over us. And we just pray this day as the harvest is plentiful, Lord. First, like Isaiah, would you make us whole and holy? And then, Lord, would you send us so that we might share with others the good news that we have received and that saved us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, um, we're going to catch up on our time in Columbia because it's been a while since you left. And uh, you started up, the Morales family started there. But I want to start with anyone under the age of 12. I want to take two questions. Um, and you can ask any question about Columbia or the Morales family. And so that's predominantly our demographic in the front row. Does anybody have any questions about life in Colombia or the Morales family? We're going to do Ethan Chen, and we're going to do Taylor Lee because ladies go first. So, Taylor, can you come up? Oh, and before you ask this question, your presence here gives me an incredible memory. I'm reminded that I did not thank your dad and Mr. Kevin Lee and all the members of our coffee team for the amazing job they did to start a coffee ministry and to help us all. So thank you, coffee team, and thank you to your dad. Do people use rickshaws in Columbia? Do people use rickshaws in Colombia? Rickshaws. Can you explain what a rickshaw is? It's a person driving some kind of bike, and in the back there's some kind of seat. That's an excellent question, Miss Taylor. You can have a seat, and we'll ask Mr. Ricardo. Watch your step. So transportation for the average person. Because in large parts of Asia, your taxi is a person who runs and pulls a cart, and you can go and sit in the cart, and they will move you around from place to place, and you pay the money, they'll get you from point A to point B. So are there rickshaws in Colombia, and how do people get around who don't have vehicles or cars? Very good, very good question. <laughs> Made me think. <laughs> Children always. Um, yes, there are. Yes, we have those in Colombia, and uh, it's really incredible because you guys have heard of Uber, obviously. Well, in Colombia, they have Uber motorbikes <laughs> because traffic is so heavy in the city that you call a, a motorbike, and they come, and you go quickly in a motorbike in the city. So we also have bicycles that people ride, and we have some bicycles with a little like um, a structure in the back, where, so when it rains, and they go uh, and take you places. So yes, there are. So good question. Do you get a helmet with your Uber? No, no okay. helmet. Okay. <laughs> it's Colombia. <laughs> All right, um, Ethan Chin, can you come up? Oh. Oh. How's the food in Colombia? 
Now, to give you an idea of how good Colombian food, I can tell you that almost, almost, almost as good as the, Colum as the food you guys have given us here every time we come. <laughs> so it's really, really delicious. Um, actually, someone asked me that today when we were having lunch, and they asked me the difference between, between Mexican food and Colombian food, and it's totally different. We don't have tortillas, for example. We really don't know what burritos are in Colombia. Actually, for us, burritos are donkeys because <laughs> that's, the, that's the only burritos we know because that's what burrito means in Spanish, donkey. Um, uh, food, but, but however, uh, Colombia. I, I can't get tacos when I go to Colombia. No. This is the preparation so I don't embarrass you when yeah, we go. No, no tacos, no enchiladas in Colombia, but we have um, lots of beans, uh, rice, vegetables, lots of soups. And, and Colombian food is very nutritious because uh, everything is fresh. Like every single thing we get, uh, especially in, uh, in where we live, comes from, from, from the farm. So we get fresh tomatoes every, almost every single day. And every, things are very fresh in Colombia. So that is a huge difference. In, in, in America, it's only when you go to places like Napa and all the shishi five-star places that you get farm to table. The rest of us are eating prefab products. So, um, thank you for that question, thank Mr. You. Chen. Thank you for that answer. But, but Colombian food is really, honestly, really delicious. Really good. So we'll have to go sometime. Absolutely. Ricardo, can you give us a snapshot of the church planting experience from the time you left us when last we spoke and we sent you out and you were then filling huge shipping containers? to where you are now, just a snapshot of that church planting experience. Well, I, I don't know why I knew he was going to ask me this question, so I had a verse for that. <laughs> so I think if I were to summarize our experience, our last 20 months, I would, I would summarize it with this parable of Jesus Christ in, in uh, Mark 4, uh, verse 26 to 29. It says, and that's why it has been a little bit hard for us these last 20 months, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows no how. The earth produces itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the, gra the grain is ripe, at once he puts in, puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So I think in that sense, uh, and in this way, I would summarize our time. Because at first, we were like, and this, we are still doing. And I want you guys and to encourage you, just imagine you are scattering seed with us in Colombia. Through your prayers, through your support, through your encouragement, and you're like, yeah, Ricardo, yeah, Morales, go, go. And that's what we are doing. And at times, it has been very, very hard. Because just think, we labor and labor and labor. And uh, at times, we have been discouraged because we haven't seen that result. I think once or twice, I, I even talked to Mark. I said, hey, Mark, I'm done with this. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see any fruit. Because it's hard. 
to to wait uh, on the Lord and just see that he and learn that he is the only one who can bear fruit. Uh, however, though the the root is growing in the soil, we are beginning to see some very very encouraging um, results. I don't know. I don't want to go ahead. But um, 20 months ago, when we first got there, we were only about five of us, and um, and we had been um, laboring for about a year, and we were already about seven, eight people. Um, when, okay, let me explain this. When we first got there, we were about 10 people. We were discipling from here. We were giving counseling from the States to this family that um, they, they said, you know, they were um, understanding the gospel. But two or three months, as, as they began realizing the cost of following Christ, they were very honest, and they said, Ricardo, this is too much for us. We are not willing at this time. And literally, the, the, the husband said, this is, this is too much for me. I love my, my job more. And he said it like that. So they stopped going to church. So we were only five. And then uh, in June last year, we went to Spain to meet with the leadership of Grace Community Church and, um, and our uh, mission board. And I gave them the report. We had about five, seven people. And they said, wow, good, Ricardo. Just keep preaching the word. You are doing well. That's fine that you only have five, seven people after a year. And then we went back home. And two Sundays after we arrived, on Sunday, as I went to, to preach and teach in our living room, because that's where we met, there were zero people. So I was so sad because I said, well. <laughs> and wow, Bibi. So, and, and I was like, wow. Five, I, I, I thought. That, that's why God gave us wives. So there'd be one person listening on Sunday. <laughs> so. So I was like thinking of my leadership there, you know, I said, wow, five, seven people is fine, but zero? <laughs> I don't know about that. But about like good Colombians, around 10, 15, 20, 10, 20, because our service starts at 10, we saw a group coming of five, seven people. So I quickly got ready and I printed. <laughs> you were going to preach in your pajamas that day? Almost, almost. No, I felt, I felt like going back to bed and crying. <laughs> so... Um, well, after that Sunday, by God's grace, we have been growing basically every single month. So now we are a group of about 35 people. Uh, the Lord has done incredible, incredible work in, in the hearts of, of the souls there. Maybe I can I share that in a little bit. But uh, basically, that is a little bit. That's fantastic. Thank you, Ricardo, for sharing that. Can you give us another snapshot of the area in Colombia that you minister to in Pereira. Ivana shared with us, it's a city of one million, middle to upper middle class, and but also, you know, which was a surprise to us that we heard at dinner last night about the spiritualism. I think you had mentioned when you went before that Pereira has big time Satan worship. You knew that in advance before you went. You also knew that really there was not, to your knowledge, another really Christian Bible expositing church there, but since that time, you've got to know the people over the last 20 months. Can you give us just uh, 
a snapshot of the people who are there, maybe a little bit of a window into their hearts and the things that pull them away. Okay, so we are, um, we are serving in, in Pereira. So if you think of Colombia, like right here, Bogota is in the very middle of the country, this is the capital, and Pereira is more towards the west, about six, seven hours uh, by car, and uh, maybe 35 minutes by plane, airplane, and um, it's the coffee region of Colombia. That was God's sovereignty. That was God's sovereignty, and, and today, after that delicious coffee, I was like, oh, I'm thinking of Colombia again. <laughs> it was really good, that coffee. So, so we live there. Pereira is kind of a wealthy city compared to some standards in Colombia and even um, even uh, in, the, in the region, in South America, Latin America. Uh, in, Colo in, in Pereira, there is a lot of money because um, a lot of uh, money from the drug cartels have uh, found um, opportunities to invest, invest in that region. So there are very fancy houses, cars, and it's a very beautiful pl place to live because it's green and um, very, very rich in, in food. There is a lot of uh, delicious food there because of the weather. It rains, by the way, in Pereira, it rains almost, almost every single day. So I feel like Pereira yesterday and today here. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one who brought the rain. <laughs> so it rains a lot, and it's, uh, so Pereira is a, a nice place to, to live. However, there are uh, also, obviously, like everywhere in, in Colombia, poor people, people who struggle a lot. But um, not, that is kind of the city where we are. We have, there is about a million people there. But it's a very, very evil city. Even my friends that um, are, um, are from GMI and Grace Community Church who are planting churches in uh, Bogotá and Cali, they always said, wow, Ricardo Pereira is going to be very, very difficult to, to do ministry. Because as I said before, it's the number one city for Satanism in Colombia. And Colombia is the third country uh, in Satanism in the world. So you can imagine. In Colombia, they, they have um, so much witchcraft. Like, it's just really incredible. So, and Pereira is known by that. So that, number two, Colombia is the number one country in the world for um, ch children trafficking. You guys know what I'm talking about. Very, very sad. And Pereira is the capital of child trafficking in the world. And you all, adults know what I'm talking about. Really sad. Uh, Colombia is like, Pereira is like big for that. Pereira is the number one consumer of heroin in the country. And Colombia is known. <laughs> for the drugs, so you can imagine it's a very difficult um, city to do ministry, that in terms of, 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 of the environment that we face there day by day. But also, a person who came to, to serve in our church and help us, he is the person that works for the mayor of the city, um, dealing with uh, religious affairs for the whole city. So he, he was helping with the COVID, um, keeping a record of, record of all churches, pastors. And I think he told us that there are about 152 or 252 churches. And when he found about us, he's now part of our church. And he said, Ricardo, I don't think, I am sure, 
Our church, by God's grace, is the only biblical church in the entire city. So you can imagine the responsibility and the challenge we have. So basically that's a little bit out. Can you share, too, a little bit about Prosperity Gospel? And then also, uh, so there are other churches there, but, you know, just, and you address it a little bit in your sermon today, and Vana talked about it last night, about this um, sort of feel-good spiritualism um, and mysticism, you know, sort of very bougie, bourgeois, upper-middle-class type spiritualism that's very, very strong in the area, sort of the respectable, if yes. you will, spirituality. Sure. So most of the church, okay, Jehovah Witnesses are very strong there. Mormons, Islam is growing at a rate of 15, 20%. That's a lot for a Colombian country, uh, for a South American country. And, um, but most of the error, unfortunately, and that is biblical, is very subtle. So lots of churches that call themselves uh, Christians they uh, have an emphasis on prosperity, on um, even deeds, good deeds in the sense of giving to the church, promising things to, to benefit the, the pastors, and um, just, again, feeling good and, and praying for blessings. So that is what most of, of the gospel that is preached. Christ sometimes is hardly preached in, in the messages that we hear there in our city. Obviously, because uh, Hispanics, as you may know, are very emotional. I don't know if you guys knew. So um, Co Koreans are too. <laughs> it's but Chinese are a little bit less. Yeah, but but I think you guys are more like um, like like mentally speaking, you have been more from what I get more um, structured than Hispanics. A lot of Hispanics they are just led by by emotions a lot and by how they feel. So. Um, so because of that, they find that um, it's not necessary to preach the word, just making people feel uh, happy and looking forward to things in earth is enough. We're going to touch on that in a minute as far as the role of the word in ministry and sharing the gospel and, and both the challenges and the encouragements. We're going to get there in a minute. I want to step back for a minute to prepare us for that, can you give us an idea of your typical week, of, of what you do and what the church does, like a typical week, uh, ministry week for you and your family? Okay. Let's say that week starts on Sunday. You know, just with the, with the preaching of the word, um, it's always a, a blessing for us and, and the peak of our church to, to meet on Sundays. We meet in a hotel and uh, we have, uh, again, about 30, 35 people meeting every uh, Sunday now regularly. And then uh, they are now on the afternoon, uh, usually we, we go and spend time just like you guys did with church people. And then on Monday, sometimes, sometimes I take the day off. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I try to, to um, kind of spend time with the people from the church. Because uh, one thing which we are seeing right now, and, and maybe you guys can pray for us, we have to be kind of uh, turning off fires all the time because um, they are babies, you know, in our church. So you cannot tell a baby to cry at 2 a.m. or at 5 a.m. So they call me on, on, on Monday, oh, Pastor or Ricardo, 
Uh, yesterday you preached this, and my husband is into this, uh, my wife is doing that. Could you please help us? So we spend a significant time of the week one-on-one -on -one with the people of the church because that is where we are at, you know, having to try to help them understand what we uh, taught uh, on Sunday or what the Lord is um, allowing them to learn uh, from the Bible, so they have to process that during the week. Um, obviously, I spend time during the week preparing for the following Sunday. We have a Bible study on Wednesdays. Uh, we are doing it right now via Zoom. On uh, Fridays, we have a prayer meeting at 545, and by God's grace, in the Bible study, we have about that's a good group, I would say 15 devices, maybe that's 20, 25 people uh, in the Bible study. For the prayer meeting on Fridays, we have about 10, 15 people, also that's very encouraging. So that's kind of my week. Oh, oh by the way, thank you. I, th I thank the Lord was for my wife. Usaya, Usaya, So on, 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 um, on Tuesdays, every single Tuesday, by God's grace, I have been uh, doing an outreach to a real estate firm. They have about 35, 40 employees, and um, it's a requirement for them to be there. So I have a, a group of about 40 people captive every single Tuesday. <laughs> uh, at first, they were all mad at me, you know, because I would go with the Bible. And, uh, but now, they are really looking forward to that time. Uh, two people, as a result of this ministry, I really believe, they are um, they have understood the gospel. They are going to church every Sunday and really seeking to be disciple. So I'm very grateful to the Lord. And there are other people who are beginning to to understand the gospel there. They are obviously most of them. They have good jobs there, you know, comparatively speaking, and they are professionals. So it's a good group to to minister and to really bring the gospel. Ricardo, for you and Vanna, <clears throat> what have been the challenges, you know, with a church plant? And, and you've alluded to this, with a church plant, many who are new believers or young believers, uh, what are some of the challenges in ministering uh, God's word and the gospel to this community, and what are some of the encouragements? I think I, was, I would think of three challenges. The first one, and I'm glad because there is not much I can do about those challenges, only to depend and really pray, and you guys come along. To, for the Lord to, to help us with those challenges. The first one is for people to understand the gospel. Because imagine the privilege I have every single Tuesday to share the word to 35, 40 people. And I have repeated the gospel so many times. And even sometimes after, the, after I finish, my wife is, tells me because she joins me for that time. She's like, Ricardo, they might not let you come back next week. You know, you just, <laughs> you know, confronted them so hardly with sin. Uh, and yet, even though I have been so authoritative and so strong with the gospel, next week they already forgot it. So sad, so discouraging. And the same thing with a number of people who have been attended, attending or people who have shared the gospel. They just don't get it. So please, please pray for that, that the Holy Spirit may really allow them to, to see the light, what we just read, you know, open their eyes. Second, just um, the, the love of those who, who attend and 
and the value people give to scriptures. Because here I can see everyone and most people even in this church, you guys want to grow in the world, you guys want to read it. But in Colombia, even because of our own culture that we are not as readers maybe as Americans or other cultures, people just don't value the word. So it's really hard for, for me, and we're working on that, to really um, allow them to understand that the only authority for us in this church is scriptures. And third, um, just, just the whole notion of, notion of church. Even people who have come to, to kind of say, hey, Ricardo, we want to help you with the church plant, but they even don't know what the church is. So they are, again, like they think this is a movement or this is um, a place where we just meet and there is an American and how cool and, and they meet in a hotel, things that may be um, attractive to, to others, but uh, they really don't understand what it means to become a member of the church. They don't understand what it is, uh, even uh, holiness. They don't understand um, just that they have to be accountable and be disciple. That has been a little bit hard for us, that they, they, they put an emphasis on, on just going to church, maybe singing, having a good time, having friends. You invite them for coffee, and there they are, but you invite them for a Bible study, and they are not as, as open. And maybe another one is just the, the people who are, we have some of the people who are attending the church, they just have um, understood the gospel, and they are turning away from sin to, to godly living. And it takes, it takes a lot for that change. Number one, obviously, from the Holy Spirit is a miracle, but for them to, to make an effort to leave that old man and, and renew their minds. Uh, so please pray that uh, as, as we have been sharing with them the word, it takes a while, and sometimes I have kind of lost patience, my patience. And I'm like, oh, not again, you know? So that's hard to, to shepherd. Ricardo, one of the messages that we heard at Shepherd's Conference, when it comes out, I'll recommend it to you all, um, that Nathan Busnitz did on John chapter 9 with Jesus healing a blind man and walking us through how throughout the scriptures, blindness is, physical blindness is the Lord uses as a spiritual metaphor uh, for spiritual blindness. And the point that we can't make ourselves unblind, Amen. you know, we can't see, and that it really is a mighty work of the Holy Spirit and a saving work of God that allows us to see who Jesus is, that he's the son of God who came to die for our sins and to save us from our sins, that we can't save ourselves, Amen. but also to see that we're sinners as well. Now, you've shared with the elders, you know, when we've checked in with you, that there are a couple of cases that have come through of people who have sort of dramatically been brought out of that. Now, this is going to be a two-step question, okay? The first one is maybe can you share maybe one or two, um, you know, snapshot testimonials of some of the people who the Lord has really dramatically opened their eyes and brought to salvation and brought to the church? Because yes. we were able to be there one morning to, for an elders meeting where you introduced us to one of the men who was getting married. Yes. So here they sent me a picture of today's gathering, congregation, the people who met. And there I see Alejo, Alejandro, Alexander. And um, 
he's a neighbor of, of my dad and mom. This is just incredible, this testimony. And, um, and I still remember my, 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 especially my mom, three, four years ago, telling me, oh, Ricardo, when you come, would you talk to Alejandro about the Lord and his wife, Estela? They would, they would fight all the time upstairs. And since in Colombia we have a lot of apartments and people live like this, so they would hear them fighting like almost every single day and yelling at each other. She just wanted them to get saved so she could get a good night's sleep. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so so uh, when I, uh, about a year and a half ago when I, get, uh, when I got there to Colombia, obviously we invited them. I still remember once he was thinking, he thought that we were inviting him to, to what they call in Colombia a novena, like an advent by a Catholic. You know, they have the novenas, the Catholics. They meet uh, like two weeks before, celebrating and singing. So he thought that that's what we were going to have. But what we did, we shared the gospel in a Bible study. So it was like, wow, Ricardo, I had never heard that. He literally said he had never heard that. So he's very Catholic to the point that he teaches catechism, Catholic catechism in the Catholic church in his neighborhood, but he had never, ever heard the gospel. And since maybe six, seven months ago, he has been attending the church regularly. And two weeks ago, before I came here, or say 10 days ago, he said, and he literally used, used these words, incredible. He used these words. He said, Ricardo, all my life I have been blinded. And only until now I see the light. I don't know where he got that from. But he said those words. I was blinded. And now I see the light. And he was right there. Today he was there. So his, his wife is not coming. He hasn't come to the Lord yet. He hasn't come to church. But he said, I'm praying and sharing the gospel. Now he talks like that to my wife every day. And I take your Bible studies and I teach her the Bible. And, and on Wednesday, we, he connects via Zoom. And he said, and I get close to her when I'm listening to the message. And I've seen that she's listening. I try and get close to Julie, too, when you preach <laughs> to make sure she's listening. So that's, for example, a testimony. Let me think of another one. Um, there was, there was a, a young girl that we, um, that we were also discipling or sharing, trying to, to actually more than discipling, giving her counseling. Because she was really struggling with, with um, self-image. Listen, young people, self-image. Like no little big time. Our understanding, just to put it in a mild way, is that she wanted to take her life, imagine, because she was struggling so much. She was very rebellious with her mom. And, and, and we, we could see it, and we heard it in, in our counseling time. Just she would yell, she would cry, she would scream. I hate you, I hate you, we would hear because we're doing Zoom uh, counseling or, or counseling via Zoom. And she began coming to church, you know, when we first got there. She would, he, at first, she would laugh at what I was saying. I could see her laughing. <laughs> you know, this young girl just laughing at the things I would say. And I was like, wow, you know. Well, the Lord has done such an incredible work. Uh, and she was failing her uh, all, multiple assign, uh, subjects in the school. Well, now she's like number one, number two in the school. She has changed so, more, so much in her uh, outside because 
of her soul. She's reading the scriptures every day. She loves the Lord. She keeps on sharing the gospel with her friends in school. So that, those are, for example, two testimonies I could share tomorrow. Yeah, like. no, that's, you know, obviously so encouraging, Ricardo. Mm. Now, I'm going to, I want to show the congregation the other half, because when we come to missions conferences, sometimes all we hear about is the victories, right? And when we, all we hear is the victories, and it all gets compressed into a 10-minute Q&A, that becomes our standard for success, and we don't see the other side of the laboring. So those are the sides where Christ has come in. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ, where their eyes and hearts have been opened. But as much as there are those cases, there are many others in the life of a minister where you bump into hard hearts, and there is nothing that you can do or say that can make their eyes open or soften their hearts, right? And that can become, at times, discouraging, right? When you have labored and loved, and you've labored and loved, and you're wondering what's going on. And I wondered if you could share with everybody sometimes some of the struggles in a church planter's discouragement as you sow the seed widely. Wow. I don't know if you guys have time. for. <laughs> no, but for example, I, I will share a little bit about um, a man. I will change his name. Mark, no. <laughs> Marco, Marco. You know, I met Marco when we first got there, I oh, know, like a year ago. And, um, and this is really sad because this exemplifies what the church in Colombia is living. And almost the day to day, and I would say the essence of the church. Marco goes to attend, or used to attend, and maybe even now attends, a very, one of the biggest, largest, more relevant churches in Pereira. It's like the number one church, very fancy. Actually, they, are not too, they don't meet too far away from, from our, our church, maybe 100 meters or a kilometer at the most, half a mile. And um, it's a very kind of wealthy church. A lot of people go there. Uh, obviously, it's charismatic. And uh, he, will, he used to be a leader in that church, and, um, and he was in immorality, you know, in his marriage, but he was a leader of the church. He used to be in charge of the worship there, and, 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 and he was uh, in immorality, but also his wife, both of them. Can you believe it? So when we first got there, he was really struggling because his wife didn't want to forgive him, although she had been doing the same. That is just incredible. And then, and then we began counseling him and even telling, telling especially her, maybe, maybe you are not in the faith. Maybe you don't know Christ. You know, like kind of, hey, you know, you get it? And, uh, and even with him, I said, brother, you know, wow, do you understand who Christ is? And then uh, he began coming to our church. We invested ourselves heavily in them, like in every way. And, um, and what they told us, that, that like the pastor, um, their pastor had told them, he said, just forget it. <laughs> forget what happened. <laughs> and continue serving in our church, in their church. Just forget it. Just literally pre pretend nothing happened. Just pass the page, you know, over and a new life without any confrontation, literally without any repentance, no discipline. So I said, 
you know, Marco, no, you have to repent. Your wife has to understand the gospel. And, um, and we, like, two, three months, literally every week, two, three times a week, we gave ourselves even financially helping them. And uh, maybe two or three, like, two or three months after, like, he wouldn't come back to church. He wouldn't even write me back. I was waiting for the counseling and the discipleship would never show up. Next thing, he's back in the worship, leading the worship of that church. Without confronting the sin, without repentance, without anything, without even understanding the gospel. So that is heartbreaking for us. Because, again, that, that is a picture of the church. And Ricardo... Even though that's Colombia, and we had talked about this, it's the same wherever you go. And and brothers and sisters, we put this before you. Within the Asian church where you grow up, your assurance of salvation can come from service and participation. Your assurance of salvation can come from leading worship. Your assurance of salvation can come from leading Bible studies. And people are okay with that as long as the ministry is successful. Look the other way. And so the choice is... Am I going to pay the cost? Am I going to follow Christ? Am I going to do it his way? When there's all these other churches that I can go to, and I don't have to confront my sin, and I can be loved, and I don't have to be ashamed, and we don't have to deal with anything, and I can play a big role based on my natural gifts. I mean, it, it is the same here. Yes, even though only until now I make that connection between what the Lord was teaching us this morning and, and this case, you know, which is so common in Colombia, and of, of course here too. And uh, that signs me, you know, because I just see a person that is totally, totally deceived hmm, by even his own gifts because he's so gifted, you know, with music. And, and again, he obviously went to seminary, you know, in Colombia. And just like, wow, brother, like so sad, you know, so sad. So things like that, when, when you just can't see someone like almost going to hell, you know, and you're hey, please, 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 you are going the wrong way. Uh, and I could give you five, ten testimonies like that of people that, that have come to church just like that. We have seen their, their need. They have literally cried, cried tears in front of us, telling us how their struggles, and, and they are conscious of where they are at. And, and after... Um, we have presented the gospel as it is. They have said, no, we would rather to go to the Catholic church because that, or to any other church, because that makes them feel good. That doesn't put any pressure on them, and they feel that that way anyways, one day they will go to heaven. I'm going to land the plane here with two final questions, Ricardo. Um, one of them is, what have been the pressures on you as a church planter, to get away from the ministry of the word. And of course, you know, Ricardo and I were talking about this, and we were talking about it with another friend of mine who planted a church in Canada, about how in those early years in church planting, people come in in those early times, and they want to shape the future of the church, and they look around at other churches and say, why can't we have this? Why can't we have this ministry? Why can't we have all of these other different ministries, the married ministry, this ministry, this, have you thought about doing a women's ministry, all of those different things, and you've shared with me that pull to sort of get away from 
that the ministry of the word and prayer is not enough for people, especially in those early years. And of course, they come for the pastor and the pastor's wife to see if they can sway influence to make the church into what they think the church should be. Oh, Ricardo, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. And can you share with the church maybe some of those pressures and also the encouragement you receive from GMI? I think the first discouragement has come from Ricardo Morales. Why? Because at times I have depended, depended on Ricardo. And that is so sad because I have felt like I'm not giving results, like things are not going, the, the pace I wish they were going. And for example, and, and there are two, the, in Colombia right now, GMI, Grace Community Church, is planting basically three churches in Colombia, one in Cali, one in Bogota, and the other one in Pereira. What happened to Medellin? You've covered all the drug cartel places. Anyways, I'm sorry. So, the, the one in Pereira, I mean, the one in Medellin, it was like, say, 50, 60 people when they began. But right now, they are like 400 people. No, Cali. I'm sorry, Cali. Cali. 400 people. And mine, only 30 people. <laughs> you know, like in, the, like in two years, they have grown from 50 to, up to 400 people. Obviously, they, are more, they have a bigger team and... So that's hard for me, you know, like, wow, they are growing. What's wrong with me? And it has been so hard. And last year when I was in, in the meeting with my leadership from GMI, so, no, we are 200, 300 people in Bogota. No, we just bought this new building. And you, Ricardo, I'm in my living room, and we're seven people. So it's very discouraging when you just, uh, so I think the first discouragement has come from, from in terms of, of just, the word of God is that at times, and I please pray for me, it hasn't been easy for me to trust the word and say, you know what, Lord, you are sufficient. Your word will do its work when, when you please, when you are pleased. So I guess that is the first kind of discouragement. And, and uh, by God's grace, maybe since um, five, six months ago, I just began realizing, you know what, God, this is your work, this is your field, is your seed. These are your souls. You will care for them. I just have to be, what? Faithful. So, so it has been a, a discouragement. And, and the, what was the other question? We're going to, the last question. No, but there, was there another? Yeah, there is. But I, I no, want to. another aspect of this question. That you, I want to comment on, can I comment sure, on that? Sure, absolutely. Um, Satan is always going to test you on trusting the Lord. And the Lord will always bring tests in your life. And the tests that he gives each one of us can look different, but it's always the same. Will you trust that Jesus is God's son? Will you trust that God is good and sovereign and holy? Or will you look at what is on your plate and say, my life isn't good. I didn't get what I deserve. Now, that can come with a church that's small, but it can also come with a church that's big. And we've seen men with large churches stumble and fall, right? The, what it looks like on the outside is different, but at the heart of it's always the same. The same could be, I'm single and I'm not married, right? It can be, I'm married and I don't have kids, or I have this job or I don't have this job. But in each one, the Lord comes 
And he makes us wait for a season where it's like, okay, are we going to trust him or are we going to base our faith on him and the results we see? Amen. Right? And that's a challenge for each one of us. I mean, excuse me, maybe another aspect which I now I recall Mark wanted me to highlight. I just thank for, for the leadership of um, Grace Missions uh, International, Grace Mission, and also even uh, Mark, you know, Mark many times, you know, be assumed, Ricardo, just keep being faithful. And at times when I was like really down, the Lord used Mark and, and the elders here to encourage me and see a perspective that I'm not there establishing a business or a corporation where I have to, to give some results out of my own strategy, but just depending on the Lord and just being faithful. So, Because the temptation comes in when times are hard in our marriages, our ministries, our parenting, and planting, it's all the same because it's Christ's ministry. I need something in addition to the gospel. I need something in addition to God's word. It's not working because the gospel's not enough. That's the temptation. And yet God is faithful and he brings us through. And so this is my final question for you for today. How can we be praying for you and Vana and Vivi in this ministry? I think, I think the first way you guys can pray for, for me specifically and for us as family is that we may be able to apply what the Lord told us today. Just to understand more and more the holiness of God in my personal life, in our marriage, and for Viviana, myself, all of us as family, I think, you know, usually us, and that is what the Bible, you know, tells us in James, that us who teach, preach, we face a higher a higher standard before the Lord. So please pray that the Lord may be gracious for us to be um, walking in godliness, growing in grace, because even, even from Grace Community Church and GMI, that is always an encouragement. Ricardo, just make sure you are close to the Word, growing in His knowledge, and everything will be bearing um, its fruit in, in due time. So please pray that, that the Lord may be keeping us close to him. Number two, uh, again, that the gospel, the Holy Spirit might be just touching the hearts of those that um, we preach to. And, and Paul, as um, that prayer, I believe, to the Colossians, you know, that as, as he was preaching the word, we go with power. So please pray that that might be taking place. Uh, that is only something that the Lord uh, may be doing. Third, if you guys can pray for the church as such, uh, there are some people that have come to tell me, hey, Ricardo, why don't you do these things this way? Or you should add this activity. Or why don't you do that? Or let me help you. And just, I just have felt that pressure. So please pray that uh, we may keep the word as, as, as the center, as the foundation of the church and not uh, activities or, or the charisma of another person that is coming to tell me, oh, Ricardo, um, you are too passive, which I've been accused of, you know, that I'm too slow, that I'm not doing things fast enough. But, um, but please pray that I might not sink into that temptation of, okay, then you do it because you do it better than me. Because it's not the other person, it's not me, it's the word. So, and also just, just to, uh, for, for grace and authority, for me to tell people, no, let's wait. 
we are just going to wait on God to bring the fruit of this seed that is being planted by, by the Lord. Ricardo, thank you so much um, for sharing with us. Vivi, thanks for sharing with the kids this morning. Um, a couple thoughts, church family. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, as I've interacted with Ricardo and had that blessing, and it's a huge encouragement to me during hard times, Ricardo's walked with myself and the elders as well. Uh, though we're far apart geographically, the challenges seem similar. Um, but one of the things that's come up um, on my end is just Vaughn and Ricardo and, and Vivi, it just seems on my end that they could use a little rest because it's sort of those early years of ministry are like 24-7. You just go, 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 go. So uh, R Ricardo and Vaughn, the, the church had raised money through an Advent bake sale. So we had bakers come in and bring their best and, and people bid on those and they raised money so that we could give you a little bit of rest. We'd hoped uh, and I'd ask the elders for the next couple of days to go to Napa, but apparently it's pouring rain there. So instead, you know, on behalf of the church, and, and Teddy and Naomi helped do this, really, along with YK and Danielle, to sort of coordinate this. Instead, to give you a donation to take with you for the money that was raised so that when you're back in Columbia, you can get some rest and hopefully get a little bit of a, a vacation. And We have to come back. However, come however back. you use that, whether it's to come to visit us again or, or whatever, but um, that's our love for you. But church family, I want to say this. More importantly, right? I mean, more importantly than a nice meal in a nice place. It's, it's really what Ricardo preached on. Um, servants of the Lord, we need to be poured into, and that means you. The greatest gift is when we behold the holiness of God, when Christ pours into us. And it's streams of living waters, and that's what refreshes, and that's what encourages and strengthens and enables us to go out and love others in the way Christ has loved us. And the reason we only have one missionary family and church plant is the place where the Lord has led us is we want to be faithful in learning how to take care of one family and one church planter instead of having a wall of 20 different people. And that's not to cast shade on other churches that have 20 missionaries. It's where we're at. And that means we need to learn, this is where the Lord has us, to learn how to love and care for those who the Lord has put. And what I'm saying is, as a church, we're not there yet, but that's exciting because there's a lot more that we're going to enjoy learning about partnering in a church planting ministry in Columbia and learning to care for them. But chief among those is prayer. And so I'm going to ask that today, I'm going to close now and we're free to go, and then I'm going to take you to the harvest and hospitality. But before, before um, I, I we really want to thank you. I already said it, and I don't think... Um, Many times would be enough to express our gratitude to all of you as church and to each one of you as individuals for your prayers, for your support, for your encouragement, for um, also for providing for us at this time financially and with this special offering, which is very sweet to us. So thank you. And I, I jokingly said, I, I mean it. It's true. In every joke, there is an element of truth. When we were there and they said, please, this is the membership class. You guys have to leave. Um, and that I was supposed to be here. I said, no, I want to be here because I would love to become a member of this church, which in some ways I, I'm already a member. But um, Vaughn and I have said it before. If there is a church I would love to come back to, it's this one. Because of you guys, just your love, 
your kindness, Bibi, with all these friends. So thank you, because this is a, a church that uh, has a very, very special place in our hearts. So thank you. Thank you, Ricardo. I'm going to close our time in prayer, but I would ask just today you have the opportunity to get started. If later today at home, I'm just going to ask you all who have been here to say a simple prayer on your own privately for the ministry of the Word and prayer in Colombia, that the Word would find faithful servants who would proclaim it boldly without compromise to share the word of the Lord and the good news of Jesus Christ to the people in Colombia. okay? And I'm going to ask you to do that on a regular basis. I know we do that at the church, but whenever you think, just to pray for that. Second thing, that you'd pray that we would grow in learning how to support Ricardo and Vanna's ministry, but the ministry of Christ in Colombia. And so I'll close our time in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing through broken vessels, as Dr. Grisanti would say, and as you've said. We thank you for the lives that we've heard about. We're thankful for this church that you planted. And though by some standards, some people might say small, but Lord, as we read through your gospel, Lord Jesus, you came for small people. You came for small churches, and they are precious in your sight. And you do not set a standard, Lord, of size or appearances, but Lord, you love the humble and you love the lowly, you love the children, Lord, you love the broken, and that's why you came. And so, Lord, we just thank you and celebrate that this day our hearts are filled with joy as we consider all that we've heard that bears witness that you have risen from the grave and that you love the least among us. And I just pray that you would help us, Lord Jesus, um, all of us, Lord, just to look to you rather than ourselves. That was part of Ricardo's message. And I just pray for the Morales family, Lord. I pray that you would bring children to this church, as Vivi's asked. I pray, Lord, that there'd be maturity in those who have just become saved. But for Ricardo and Vaughn and Vivi, I just pray, Lord, that you continue to grow their faith, that your word, your gospel, that you, Lord Jesus, are everything that they need and you are sufficient. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. Thanks for joining us.